so notice uh, in your unison reading where the narrative begins. It begins with Jesus entering Jericho. And you can see there in verse 1 this very simple statement that we might be tempted to overlook. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now remember what this means. Remember Jericho from the Old Testament, from the old book of Joshua. Jericho was a mighty city. It was rich. It was powerful. It was filled with sin. It represented the evil and the wickedness and the hardness of the hearts of the Canaanite people. But God sovereignly sent Joshua and the people of Israel to conquer the city of Jericho. Jericho is a trophy of God's power in the Old Testament. And he sent Joshua, and you remember the story how Israel surrounded the city uh, for six days. And at the end of those six days, God gave Joshua the command. And all the people of Israel shouted and blew trumpets and praised God. And the walls of that city fell. And the, uh, Joshua entered into the city with his armies. And they plundered that city. And they devoted it to destruction. And Jericho is a symbol of the might and the power of God in his victory over sin. Well, here we are in the New Testament, and Jesus enters and passes through Jericho. In the Old Testament, Jericho was eventually rebuilt. And so here they are again in Jericho. And we have here a better Joshua entering into Jericho to win a better victory than Joshua was able to win in the Old Testament. This time, not a victory to destroy, but a victory to save. Not an earthly victory, but a spiritual victory. And so verse 1 is really important to set the context as of what's going on here. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And then next what we read about, we're introduced to the character in this narrative, Zacchaeus. And we see this interesting uh, parallel that's being drawn between Zacchaeus and the city of Jericho, or at least that Old Testament idea of the city of Jericho. Look what it says in verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. To be a chief tax collector meant that he was a great sinner. He's like old Jericho. He's a symbol of sin. He's a symbol of the hardness of his heart. He's rich through oppression and mistreatment of others. And here we have Zacchaeus. Well, you know the the details of the story in verse 3 and 4. Uh, again, from the nursery rhyme, you might remember some of these details. Chapter 3, uh, sorry, verse 3 and 4. And he sought to see Jesus. Here's Zacchaeus seeking Jesus. Now, this is amazing, but let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves here in the narrative. He sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. <laughs> so you get the picture. Jesus is coming into Jericho. All of the people have heard of the reputation of Jesus. So all of the crowds are gathered there to see who Jesus is. Jesus is in some ways walking through the middle of Jericho, almost like in a procession. And all the people are there just to see him. Zacchaeus has heard of Jesus. He wants to see Jesus, but he's so short he can't see over the crowd. So it's kind of a funny detail, isn't it? It's kind of a funny story. It's a nice little cute story. So he finds a sycamore tree nearby in verse 4, and he wants to be able to climb up and see Jesus. He thinks that if he gets up and gets a perspective, he can see Jesus that way. So in verse 4, so he ran ahead. He climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now, a lot of preachers, a lot of people who handle this text will get caught up in how much Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus and how he was seeking him and all of those things. But that's not really the point of the narrative. What's really amazing and striking about this story is what we read next. In verse 5, the the interesting part of this story is not what Zacchaeus is doing, but what Jesus is doing and what Jesus does. So look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, so there he is walking down, he finally gets to the place where the sycamore tree is. Jesus 
looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now this is amazing because Jesus is the one who knows Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus doesn't know who Jesus is. He's seeking him. He wants to find out. Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. And Jesus is the one who's walking down the road and could have just passed right by completely ignored the little small man in the sycamore tree. But he stops and he looks up outside of his view of vision and he seeks Zacchaeus and he sees him and he speaks to him and he calls to him Zacchaeus. He calls him by name Zacchaeus. And so we see here Jesus sovereignly working and seeking Zacchaeus. It's Jesus who chooses Zacchaeus. It's Jesus who decides to stop and address himself to Zacchaeus. It's Jesus who calls Zacchaeus. It's Jesus who commands Zacchaeus. And it's Jesus who lets himself into Zacchaeus' life. <laughs> and that's really what I want you to see there. Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. There's the commandment. For today I must stay at your house. Right, this is the very opposite of what sometimes we hear when we hear this passage unfolded. Jesus is not knocking at the door of Zacchaeus' heart. <laughs> <clears throat> Jesus is letting himself in to Zacchaeus' life. I must stay at your house today. It's a sovereign work of salvation on Christ's part. So it's an amazing story. But verse 6, it's even more amazing because Christ's call is seen to be powerful. It's effective. Look at verse 6. So he, that is Zacchaeus, made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So there we see the effectual call of Jesus Christ. It has power in Zacchaeus' life, and the evidence of it is Zacchaeus' response. He responds with speed. He makes haste. He re responds with obedience. He comes down just as the Lord had commanded him, and he responds with joy. And we would also notice here that he responds by receiving Jesus. He receives him joyfully. Jesus, just as Jesus freely and authoritatively offered himself to Zacchaeus, so Zacchaeus must freely and submissively receive Jesus Christ. So it's a beautiful picture of Christ's effectual call and its power in the life of a sinner. But then notice the other responses in this passage. These are very helpful for us as well. Notice the responses. First of all, notice the response of the crowd in verse 7. And it's a response that we uh, might not initially expect. Uh, you would think that they would be glad. You would think that they would be full of praises to God. They've just seen a better Joshua enter into the city and conquer a, a, the stronghold that is more difficult to conquer than Jericho, even Zacchaeus' heart. But they don't respond with praise and thanksgiving. They respond with persecution. They respond by complaining against Jesus and slandering the newly regenerated and cleansed Zacchaeus. They persecute both Jesus and Zacchaeus. Look at what verse 7 says. But when they saw it, that's the crowds, they complained. <laughs> they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now this is amazing what they're doing here, but it's not something that we should not expect. This is how the world responds to Christ's saving work. When Christ works in the life of a, of a sinner, when he saves sinners, it gives the world an opportunity uh, to dishonor and disdain the Lord Jesus Christ and to drag his name through the mud. How can this truly be the Messiah? How can this one be the Holy One of God? How can this be the righteous one that we read about in the Old Testament? How can this be a better Joshua when he's going into the house of a sinner? So notice that they're not just complaining against Jesus, but they're slandering Zacchaeus. 
They're laying against him the charge that Christ has certainly forgiven him of. Christ has removed Zacchaeus' guilt. He's no longer the chief sinner that he was before. But the crowds are using his salvation, his confession and repentance, and his calling as a reason to lay the charge at his feet. Who will lay a charge against God's elect? So the crowds, their response is to persecute, to disdain. But see how Zacchaeus responds to all of this. And it's wonderful because he responds with the fruits of repentance. There's a real change that's take place, uh, that has taken place in his heart. And he wishes to prove it. He wishes to show it. He wants, he wants Christ to see the fruit of his effectual call in his life. Look at this, verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. Here's Zacchaeus showing the real fruits of repentance in his life. He's not just uh, confessing Jesus. He's, he's showing the fruits of repentance in his life. <laughs> he wants to prove to Christ. He wants to prove to the crowds uh, that the change that has taken place in him by Christ's call is genuine and it's sincere and it's produced the fruits of holiness in his life. He wants to prove to the crowds that Jesus is not a servant of sin. <laughs> he didn't call Zacchaeus. Uh, with saving power, just so that Zacchaeus might continue on in his life of sin. No, but he freed him from guilt so that he might make restitution, so that he might bear fruits worthy of repentance. It reminds us of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11. What diligence, what zeal, when he describes true repentance in the heart of an individual. We see it in the, heart of, in the life of Zacchaeus. What diligence, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you prove yourselves to be clear. What restitution? So we see the crowd's response, persecution. We see Zacchaeus' response, restitution, true repentance. And then finally, and most importantly, again, very encouragingly, in verse 9 and 10, we see Christ's response to the whole situation. Jesus himself speaks, and, and, he, does, and he makes two responses. In verse 9, he declares Zacchaeus a true son of Abraham. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, that is to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now you remember in the gospel, Jesus has taught the people of Israel, you are not a son of Abraham just because you're an ethnic descendant of Abraham. John the Baptist taught this, Jesus taught this. So this is an amazing statement that Jesus is making. He's saying this sinner, this tax collector is now a true son of Abraham by faith. Like Abraham, Zacchaeus has received the call of God. He has believed God for his justification. He has been called by God to walk before God and to be blameless and to put off the flesh. And he has borne the fruits, like Abraham, he's borne the fruits of repentance by a willing sacrifice of that which was most dear to him. And Jesus declares him the true son of Abraham by faith. So it's a wonderful picture. This is what Jesus has done for us in salvation. He chose us. He called us. He's converted us with saving power. And we've borne the fruits of repentance in Him. And we are true sons of Abraham by faith. Well, finally then in verse 10, the second response of Jesus is that He declares Himself to be the true Son of Man. And you'll remember this phrase, Son of Man, comes from Daniel chapter 7. It's a picture of God's victorious Messiah King. In all of His glory, in all of His power, 
and all of the uh, spoils of his victory, Jesus declares himself the true Savior. Look at verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Of course, he's referring to himself. He is the true Joshua. He's the better Joshua. And he has won a victory that is greater than the victory of Joshua in the Old Testament. He has conquered even the heart of Zacchaeus. And he has done so uh, through the power of his spirit uh, and the power of his saving grace. So it's a beautiful picture of Jesus, his glory as a saving king, and his rescue of sinners. And I hope that it's encouraging to you this morning as we remember all that Christ has done for us, how he sought us, and how he called us, and how he brought us to himself. And the, the wonderful change that has taken place in our life uh, when he did so through his word.